Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. It's 2.05, Tuesday afternoon. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, and we're joined in studio by um, two new friends. Our, our friends at Mood Disorders of uh, Manitoba, an outstanding group, Brett, that does incredible work, exceptional support, uh, outreach, all sorts of uh, different uh, group therapies, different ways for those that are affected by mental illness uh, to get connected and to get the help they need. And we know that this is a gigantic issue in our community. And today we are going to talk about gaps in the mental health system for teenagers. And to tell us about this, we have Kirsten in studio and we have... Uh, Charlotte is here in studio as well. So thank you very much, ladies, for joining us today. Uh, Charlotte, why don't we start with you? So you, uh, what is your connection, I guess, to this issue? Well, I am Director of Development at Mood Disorders, um, but I'm also a mom of two daughters. And uh, one of my daughters, uh, who's almost 22 now, and I'm very happy that she's still here with us on this planet because there was a time through middle school and high school that she didn't want to be here. And that's how I got introduced to mood disorders at first. Um, This was many years ago. It was over five years ago when we started uh, this journey. And uh, we felt that we were an island, uh, my family, that no one else was going through this. And trying to access the system was absolutely scary. And uh, we ended up uh, making the choice to take our daughter down to the States to get treatment. And, uh, we were denied coverage on it. Um, we were lucky that we were able to afford it because the month and a half we had her down in the States cost us $70,000. It was uh, lots of money, and it still is lots of money. Uh, and, and as a mother, I'm sure you look back and you go, you know, it's worth it. But what about those that don't have those types of resources and don't have those options? What What were the gaps in service that you experienced that prompted you to make a substantial decision like that, not only logistically and financially, but I mean, obviously your daughter was dealing with something pretty serious for you to to take that step and and what help weren't you getting? It wasn't happening fast enough. Um, The the doctors were not believing uh, the severity of of our child. We had, actually I shouldn't say all doctors, we have a, a great adolescent pediatrician who specializes in mental illness. And if you call me at Moods, I will give you her name because she's still taking patients. She's an angel. But the uh, psychiatrists and the psychologists that we were dealing with at the time did not um, fully grasp the severity of what she was going through and um, and weren't taking her, her suicide attempts and her threats serious. And uh, I... I did not want to lose my child, and uh, I knew that they were serious because as a mother, you know when your child is, is, is not in a good space, and this was not going well. And um, and so that's when we – it was a six-month wait to see a psychiatrist. Um, she wasn't – six months is too long. I, I remember meeting a woman um, early on. Uh, it was recommended that we go to a – a counseling group and there was a mom sitting there. She was a single mom and her daughter suffered from mental illness and she was, wouldn't come out of the basement of her house. And she had been there for six months waiting and waiting, trying to get into the system. And the mom was telling us the story of every day she came home fearful that her daughter was dead. And, uh, I thought, I don't want that. Like there's no way. So Kirsten, 
what can you share with us about your story and, and the decision? Because you made a, a similar decision to Charlotte. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, I, too, am the mother of two uh, amazing uh, daughters. And, and one of my daughters um, has struggled quite uh, severely over the last uh, few years. And, you know, Charlotte and uh, her family's story is very similar to mine. And I'd like to point out that five years that Charlotte and I were just talking about how there's a five years difference between her daughter's, um, can I call it rock bottom, Mm -hmm. possibly, and my daughter's, uh, um, you know, depth of her unwell um, mental health. And, um, you know, we, we accessed all Manitoba could offer my daughter. Um, we were um, on a waiting list. Ultimately, at the end, we were on a waiting list for the ICATS unit, uh, and we had been sitting in the eating disorder uh, treatment facility as a patient for about a year and a half, uh, which, again, I have to agree with Charlotte, amazing doctors and therapists uh, I encountered, but in a broken system. So we waited uh, months and months um, to be transferred to a more intensive treatment uh, unit in the hospital for my daughter. Um, Many visits to emergency, and she was very unwell. Um, And we couldn't wait anymore, so we we packed up. It was July 2015. Uh, We were told that October, the date kept being pushed back a bit, that October we may possibly be able to uh, get into the ICATS unit, and um, until then, to not let my daughter out of my sight. And uh, it was literally the next day, uh, we were on a plane and we found, uh, through lots of work, we found an amazing residential treatment facility that my daughter spent the next 12 months in. How did you feel when you had a physician tell you not to let your daughter out of your sight? And what I mean, what, what's the practicality of that? You know what, that was the reality of, of what we were living with. Um, you know, that was just the reality of what our life was. And uh, not to go into too much details uh, about that time, but um, just very, very unwell. And I like to compare it to a child who has a very sick kidney. Would they sit on a waiting list for six months as it deteriorates and it's life-threatening? You know, why is my child not worthy of being able to access the care that could save her life? Now, both of you have had to take your daughters to the United States. So, Charlotte, we'll, we'll go, I want to start with you first. You said, I think it was $70,000 for a month and a half? Yep. What, so what, it was a bad was, dollar back then. What was, the, <laughs> what was the, the treatment that you sought in the United States? Uh, we, we had her in a similar to Kirsten, the residential treatment center. And uh, from there, we then went to see uh, a psychiatrist and a psychologist um, as well that worked with her. So that was... And the treatment that she was in, we were flying down to the States almost every second weekend to be with her. The cost was prohibited. And I have to actually mention, too, um, she she went to a treatment center in, in BC first um, and ran away from that. And um, they kept our money from that. And they denied her after, but they kept our, her, our money. So that was lumped in. And then we went down to the States um, and then from there, we went to, to meet with a psychiatrist and a psychologist in a different state that started treating her, too. So it was it was um, 35000 for a month at this treatment center, plus travel, plus then the, the lost money from B.C. 
um, plus the new psychiatrist and psychologist. So it was it was huge. And Kirsten, you how I'm sorry, how long was your daughter in the United States? Do you say it was a was it a year? Twelve months. Twelve months shy of about fourteen days. <laughs> exactly, yes. So why is, is the system improving at all? Like is this getting better for people with children with teenagers who need help? Our our Canadian, our Manitoba yeah. system. Um it, you know, I have I have two things to say about that. I I don't feel the system is improving. I think the system is not improving fast enough to keep up with the demand of society and, and what's happening with our young people uh, it, present date. So, it, no, it's not improving. I think there's a lot more talk. Um, I think there's the awareness is, is, is definitely there. Um, but the fact that uh, my daughter was able to um, be funded for her treatment in the States is an improvement. And I've worked with two families um, and helped them um, apply for funding. And we have two more Winnipeg girls uh, in the States at the same residential treatment center who, um, you know, their parents will uh, will tell you that it's changing their lives and, and it's an amazing story for both of them. And we have a third one that uh, is from Manitoba um, that is there as well. And um, she did not go through funding. Uh, that's, that's a story that's going to have to play out. When you imagine not knowing what you know now, you can't go back in time. But if you would have known that Charlotte was going through this at the same <laughs> time and there might have been someone that could walk you through the process that you're clearly doing with, with these other parents, how much easier might that have been for you? Um, you know what, you just can't even put the value on that. It's the, uh, the hours, the time, um, the years that I put into uh, looking for answers, looking for resources, um, researching options that are now that we, we know there's no residential care anywhere in Canada for youth with, with mental health mood disorders. There's short-term stabilization, there's crisis management, but there's no long-term uh, residential treatment. Um, it took me two years to figure that out. Every every uh, doctor specialist I ever crossed paths with, whether it was uh, someone I bumped into in a mall or in the hospital, I was always asking, and nobody had the answers. We're going to pause the conversation for a moment with, that's Kirsten, and we are also joined by Charlotte Sitnik, the Director of Development at the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba, talking about gaps in the mental health system for teenagers. We're going to pause for your forecast. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. And we are talking to the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba, specifically today, about gaps in the mental health system for teenagers. And we are joined live in studio by Charlotte Sitnik, who is the Director of Development at Mood Disorders. And we're also here with Kirsten. And uh, both of them have told us stories involving their children, their daughters, both having to go to the United States to seek treatment in a residential facility. And Kirsten, one of the things that really sort of stuck with me is that the, you said that there's there's no such facility in Canada at all. There is no uh, long-term residential care for youth in Canada, no. So 
what do you think has to happen? Like, how do we sort of get the ball rolling to make something like that happen in Canada? You know, I, I think um, we have to spread awareness. Uh, people have to start talking about it. And uh, now that we are seeing uh, youth funded for the help they need across the border, I mean, you know, we got to start thinking about the numbers and and the costs that are going to be coming up and, and going to be stressed on our healthcare system. Why not um, put it into something within Canada? Um, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the fact that we're doing a really good job of talking about this issue. I would, you know, I can remember the night that that Rick Rippon passed away and it was the first time I spoke to Tara and we had her on for about a half an hour and she told her story. She told us about mood disorders and she says, you know, the next day and within days we had calls at mood disorders from high profile people, from professionals in our community that said, this is me, I'm dealing with this. And now there's a support group. For those individuals, they go very anonymously. It's very private, uh, but it's something that exists out of conversations, difficult conversations. Uh, to me, that's the gift of, you know, Rick Rippon. You can talk about what his passing has done. The Jets have done incredible things. For those that don't know, Rick Rippon was a former National Hockey League player, played with the Manitoba Moose, Vancouver Canucks, and was had just signed a contract to come play for the Winnipeg Jets. And the day before he was due to come to Winnipeg, he took his own life and he had all the supports in the world, in particular with Craig Heisinger, who the year we had the the gala was, was honored for his work in this vein, Charlotte. And I just, you know, it's so sad. It, it, It hurts my heart to imagine that there are people out there who need help and then they get brave enough to ask for it. And then maybe the facilities, the professionals aren't there. Well, I'm working with four moms who uh, lost their children to suicide. And um, and when their child was brave enough to come forward and, and ask for help, and they were denied. And and they will say to you, you do not want to be part of this club that we're in because none of them ever wanted to lose a child. And, and it's very scary, which um, makes me think of um, you know, we're all been hearing the story of uh, Reed Bricker and uh, – turned away at HSC or let go and his mom has become an advocate and uh, she works at mood disorders now and she started a family navigation program which is geared to help families navigate the mental health system so that you don't feel that you're alone in this journey and um, we've got great navigators who are working with Bonnie and uh, at mood disorders and will tell you what resources are out there, what groups to get involved with, like how to, what doctors are taking patients, like lots of stuff. And uh, and Kirsten, you know, from her story too, she's come on board. She's at Mood Disorders now. She's helping families navigate um, the system as well as uh, she's got an unbelievable teen parent group that she runs on Wednesday nights that is in conjunction with a teen group that we have going at mood disorders and it's a great place for parents to get the help because um you know you don't you don't want to feel that there's nothing out there to help um and there there is but unfortunately like what Kirsten is saying we do need the uh, residential treatment center in Canada um Kirsten how many times did you have to go down to the states to see your daughter I mean 
it's a huge taxing on the family. It's, Eleven times yeah. in one year. And yeah. we know, and we know that the the benefit to patients, uh, no matter what they're dealing with, whether it's cancer, whether it's uh, you name it, uh, a premature childbirth, uh, all the hospitals invite families into into the treatment. Right, yeah. they're a part of the of the treatment group, a treatment plan, and the support plan involves families. Well, if you're half a country away or an entire country away, how can you be an active participant in your own daughter's recovery? It's it's darn near impossible. Yeah, we you know we were uh, fortunate enough to be uh, very involved. Uh, and be able to make the trip uh, down to be with her 11 times. Um, and we had uh, weekly Skype um, therapy conversations. Uh, but you're right, it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard. And I, I wanted to touch down on our parent group that we do have on Wednesday nights. Um, I know for myself, and I'm sure Charlotte can agree, um, you know, when when you're struggling and when you're looking for answers, um, to actually sit at a table of your peers and and to hear stories and and to find about services that you can access, uh, and there's no judgment. Um, you certainly don't have to have a teen that's uh, in the same group, uh, the teen group at the same time. Come as a parent. Um, you know, sometimes uh, you have to. Well, not sometimes, always. You have to walk in those shoes. And and we have a lot of answers at this parent group. We have a lot of fabulous parents. Um, yeah, it's one of my, it's one of my highlights of the week. We will get more information on this parent group momentarily, but we do need to pause our conversation with Kirsten as well as Charlotte Sitnik, who is the director of development at the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. We're talking about gaps in the mental health system for teenagers, and we will carry on with this conversation after global news. At 2.30 on 680 CJOB. It's 2.34. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you. Charlotte Sitnik is here, as is Kirsten, and we're talking about the gaps in the mental health system. Not only, you know, we're, we're specializing and looking at teenagers here, but Charlotte, you mentioned uh, Reed Bricker, that tragedy, and how his mom has become such an advocate. And you use some terminology oft off air that horrifies me because it, it just shows that we're like the little boy plugging the the hole with in the dike with the, with the finger right and that's actively suicidal and it's like when you go to the doctor well what's bothering you the most well I've got about five things no 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 we only have time to deal with uh, what's dealing what's bothering you the most right and so when when you hear terminology like that it's absolutely horrifying because then there's a justification for not providing service well exactly that's what it sounds like to me yeah oh oh for sure and that's where um we've been talking about peer support one of the things that when you take a child or you take a, an adult who's suffering from uh, mental illness to the emergency room. They're overtaxed. Believe me, and I get cool. that. I have a sister-in-law who's an emergency room nurse. So they're looking for the acute cases, the one, the scary cases, and and the terminology actively suicidal keeps coming up over and over again. And and um, so what the patient is reading is is my life isn't worthy because they're not believing what I'm saying and. Um, and in the case of, of Reed, we know the ending that happened there. Bonnie is a, a big advocate for peer support, and she definitely and desperately wants it in the emergency room because if if a person in that state has 
somebody with lived experience who has been there who can talk with them. And there's huge studies. Um, peer support is in most of the Ottawa hospitals now. I don't understand why it's not in our emergency room hospitals, but that's another story. But if you had someone who who was lived experience that could help you that had been there and say to you that I, I get what's going on, um, there's people that can help. Um, and, you know, what we do at Moods, we're, we've got peer support workers, we're on the phone, we're lived experience. Right now, if you walked into mood disorders, there's somebody who's got every kind of mental illness working the phones, lived experience in some part of their recovery, and uh, they're fantastic and they have a wealth of knowledge and hugely helpful. Kirsten, uh, this idea of, of having an advocate and someone to speak on your behalf, the peer support is one thing, but when you're in the middle of it and you've got someone like a mom like you who's advocating, uh, that is a very powerful uh, feeling for someone on the other side. Uh, talk about the You talked a little bit about the challenges of being that advocate, but you didn't talk about why it's so critical. Um. Well, you know, when we were uh, going through um, the worst of times, I guess I'll, I'll say, um, you're afraid to tell your story. You keep it very quiet. Um, you really think you're the only one on this planet that is dealing with these issues. You, you truly believe that. Um, gosh, you know, I think back and to have somebody who can sit down with you and say, hey, I've been there. Um, I know what you're going through and uh, here's what here's what worked for me or here's what I can help you with or I understand um, you know it's it's interesting I uh, um, I am an unemployed extremely busy volunteer at uh, moods right now uh, I was never this busy when I was working um, and you know the phone uh, even my own phone is often ringing uh, from someone who's talked to somebody who's gotten my name and um, you know, it's, it's it's from someone who is giving that support. It's our absolute uh, pleasure to provide that, and and everybody's worthy of that. And um, you know, it, I think back if if uh, I found that support later on, uh, especially getting involved with moods, and um, the, the, it's so valuable. Um, so I, I'm just really trying to encourage people to reach out. Um, you know, we'd love, we, we are here for you and we'd love to talk to you. Teenagers these days, I'm, one, I'm just curious, are they, do they face more stress than teenagers in, from generations past, from like say when, when we were teenagers, for example, is there more affecting teenagers these days? Absolutely. It's, it's no doubt. And, and anybody my age and older says that's not true. Um, walk in their shoes for a day and, and honestly walk in their shoes is way more stressful for them. The the demands on what they're going to be, which we had too growing up, but it's it's different stress. And it's, um, and life is so instant too, which they don't have a chance to really process what all, you know, they're thinking. Um, and they, and, and the coping strategies, we have a great course uh, called cognitive and early on um, I took it and I took it in the hopes of, being able, when I had a, t- a teachable moment, as I call it, for my child, that I could help her with better coping strategies than the ones that she was choosing to use. And gosh, did I ever learn a lot from that. And, you know, I think parents who have toddlers who, you know, are pregnant, they should be taking this course so that they can help 
their children, you know, with better coping strategies, um, better life skills. And um, that course is running all the time, too, uh, at Moods. The website is mooddisordersmanitoba.ca, the peer support line, because I can guarantee you there's at least one person listening and has been listening that wants to join this group or needs to. The phone number is 204 786-0987. One more time, 786-0987. And we're not talking about postpartum today, but this is something that's come to light in the last few years in our community in a very tragic way, something that deserves so much support if you need support there. The warm line, and I love that, 204-391-5983. Postpartum warm line, 204 391 Five nine eight three. It's just so critical that people have an opportunity, someone to talk to, to hear. Just sometimes saying it out loud is all you need. Sometimes saying it out loud is a huge step. Mm-hmm. Why do you? Why is it a, a big step to say it out loud? Well, I think we 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 uh, keep things um, very much inside. We're fearful of of exposing what we may be dealing with ourselves or what we may be dealing with within our family and homes. Um, so, yeah, saying it out loud is, in my opinion, a big step. And Kirsten, you are involved in a parent group Wednesday nights. If somebody listening to this radio station needs to be involved in that group, what do they do to take part? You know, you just show up at uh, Moods on Fort Street Wednesday at 5.30. If you're late, we'll still let you uh, come on in and join us. Don't worry. Um, it's from 5.30 till 7. And all you have to do is is come join us and, uh, you know, and, and we'll take it from there. Where are you located on Fort? Four, Fort Street, right on the corner of Fort and Assiniboine Avenue. Okay. A lot of people know that at the Fort Gary Place building, you go there for weddings and, and that sort of stuff. Just south of the Hotel Fort Gary, just north of Assiniboine Avenue, I think is the accurate description there. I think it's on the east side is yep. the is the main entrance. So uh, just thank you for sharing this. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you'd like to talk about, Charlotte? Uh, actually, there is, Greg. There's a part of uh, my job is I, I get to work on different events and a couple of things that we're working on for for youth in Winnipeg. One event that I am so excited about and it's it's our second year and, and this was brought about um, as a result of, a, of a, a child taking her life. Her name was Jadra Winter and this event is called She Wore Flowers in Her Hair and uh, you can go on Facebook. It's an awareness event um, that's coming up in June um, for, for youth and um, the girls who are running it, it's um, her sisters and uh, her friends, uh, and as well as uh, Jadra's mom, putting on this event. And it's an awareness. As, and it's also where people can get together in youth and talk about their mental health and it's in a safe environment. The other thing that um, I'm really pleased about is uh, it's in conjunction with Shoppers Drug Mart, and it's a, a run for mental health. And uh, we have contacted all of the schools, and I'm wanting more schools to get involved with this. It's a six-week curriculum of mental health as well as um, a six-week exercise program so you can run. And the run is happening on Mother's Day. So just like the Manitoba Marathon is on Father's Day, this one is on Mother's Day. And I encourage more schools to to get on board and, and give me a call and, and get involved. And parents, try to get your schools involved. This is a great piece. It's going across Canada. And it's, again, awareness and kids learning about mental illness. 
And, and, and Kirsten, if I can indulge just for a moment here, I look back on my mom's battle with mental illness and with her bipolar disorder, and it's so easy to identify now. She wasn't diagnosed until late in her life. And you look back and the clues were clear as bell, clear as a bell, clear as day, looking back on it now. And I think what would be so heartbreaking for any parent right now listening, wondering, do I need to intervene? Do I need to get involved in my child's life? The most heartbreaking thing would be to look back and go, I'm educated now. I know what the signals were how devastating that would be to realize that all you needed to do was get involved. Well, you know, things have changed a lot in the last five years. So, you know, when it comes to teens and what's happening with teens nowadays, um, hindsight is wonderful, but this is also all just coming to the surface. We're being enlightened and and getting a better understanding of of what it means to be a teen. Uh, where you know when I grew up, I was home, I was safe, and I could just you know my if my phone rang, that's how people would connect with me. Um, with uh, the devices that we have now, you're never turned off, um, and you're always being judged, and you're always someone always has access to you whether that's a positive or they're accessing you to be negative and to be hard on you uh for especially teen girls to feel less than is a huge problem absolute huge problem um it it is such a different world now um we can't completely understand it but um you know whether your child is 12 13 14 or you know in their early 20s, uh, it's never too late to to uh, to access help for them. Absolutely. Trust your gut. You know Trust what? Trust your gut. You don't need a diagnosis. You just, when you, you know something doesn't feel right, you know, trust your gut. Yeah. A mother knows. I'm telling you, a mother knows you trust your gut. On that note, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kirsten, as well as Charlotte Sitnik, who is the Director of Development at Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. And one more time, the website, mooddisordersmanitoba.ca. It is 2.46. Mackling and McGarry, your forecast is up next on 680 CJOB. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.